You remember I've shared with you different parodies that are written on Psalm 23. I've started a new one today. And here's how it goes. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness which restores my serenity. He leads me in the ways of efficiency through calmness of mind, and His guidance is peace. Even though I have great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret, for His presence is here. His timelessness, His all-importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity by anointing my mind with His oil of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness has been the fruits of my hours. For I shall walk in the pace of the Lord and dwell in His house forever. Indeed, the last two verses of Psalm 23 are to do with living a tranquil life in the presence of God, of how to be peaceful in the midst of trouble. Verse 5, turn with me if you have your Bibles, to verse 5 of Psalm 23. It's all too familiar psalm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. The psalmist is going through the annual routine of a shepherd. We saw how he was taking the shepherd at the springtime, going through these winding roads, going through all these treacherous roads, going through these valleys that are all shadowed and dark, to get up to the mountaintop in the summertime. And here he comes to the tableland. He comes up to the mountaintop where there is a magnificent spread of grass. And the sheep was unafraid all the way as they follow the shepherd. Why? Because they know he's gone ahead of time. He checked the road. And as they come out to this flat plateau, there's plenty of food for all of the summer. The shepherd, of course, is not surprised, but the sheep may be. Because the shepherd had already gone ahead of time, took care of that piece of land where they're going to be grazing. If there would be a poisonous grass growing in the middle of the good grass, he had already removed it. If there are some wolf traps somewhere, he has already rendered them ineffective. If there are harmful plants that are sneaking in in the middle of the good food, the shepherd has already gone out there and plucked them out. My friend in Christ, I want to tell you this. That when you walk close with the Lord, when you tempt to discern His will in your life, in every step of your life, when you trust Him even in the midst of uncertainty and of treacherous and dark valleys, when you hold on to Him in the depths of your despair, when you hold on to His Word, His rod, when others are doubting it and falling by the wayside, when you have refused to take the shortcuts which the devil wants you to take, but rather held unto the Lord, when you would not let the devil tempt you with the shiny and the glittery one, when you do that, there can be one thing you can be sure of, and that is you've got a blessing that is waiting for you. You will reach the mountaintop. You will reach this plateau that is full of magnificent blessings. And each of these blessings that God has specifically for you, with your name written all over it, is not for somebody else. It cannot be confused with somebody else. It is your blessing. He is now saying to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come up higher.
But I believe there's another application to this part of the verse. You see, the danger of a church that observes the Lord's Supper is this. That some callous Christians and some carnal Christians would walk down this aisle and receive casually because it is something to do. Because it's a ritual. Because we do it every Sunday without comprehending what this table that the Lord has prepared for us really means. The danger is that we forget what it costs the Lord to prepare this table for us. There is a temptation that we may take for granted what this table represents, namely the best and the greatest love story that's ever told in the world. There is a possibility that we may ignore what it means for the maker of the universe, for the creator of the world, for your maker and mine taking off His robe of glory and splendor and majesty that rightly His before the foundation of the earth, and to come down and become one of us. We take that for granted very easily. It is easy to forget that the one who weighs the dust and scales and the breath of His nostrils splits the cedar of Lebanon is the very one who has become the object of ridicule. That He's the very one who becomes subject to false accusation and rumors and gossip, that he is the very one who became the recipient of malicious charges, that he is the very one who has been accused and branded as a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of the sinners, that he is the very one who has been called imposture and lost his reputation with those overstuffed and overindulged clergy of his day. When he prepared this table for you and for me, He did not only put off the robe of splendor of His majesty and became a human, became like us, but He suffered physical torture. He suffered mental anguish. And He suffered spiritual agony. Walk with a stricken and a broken heart because the Scripture said that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. By preparing this table for us, Jesus says, I love you. Not only that my son died for you, but I love you and I have eternity prepared for you to come and rule with me forever. You anoint my head with oil. There are two incidents when a Middle Eastern shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep with olive oil. Once with olive oil alone, once with olive oil mixed with some other spices. The first is this. Here the sheep come up on top of the mountain on this plateau in this tableland and they're enjoying the warm summer days, grazing, comfortable, tranquil with the shepherd. But in the Middle East, in the middle of the summer, there are insects and flies that will buzz all over the head of the sheep that aggravates them. You find hordes of flies and insects of all kinds. And they can turn a golden summer month into misery and torture. And flies buzz around the sheep's heads, attempting to deposit their eggs on any moist part of the head, and mostly in the nostril. And if they're successful of laying these eggs, what happens comes out of these eggs some very thin and slender worms that crawls inside the nostrils and get into the head. And it often drives the sheep crazy from pain and agony. He would bang his head against the rock. He would bang his head against the trees or any solid thing that he can come to out of pain. Sometimes the sheep is so frightened by these insects and so aggravated they'll run hard and they'll run fast and finally they drop dead out of exhaustion. 
but only a loving shepherd who watches out for his sheep. Take the olive oil, and he puts it in his hand, and then he applies it and rubs it all over the entire head of the sheep. And you know, within minutes, that sheep that has been so aggravated, so agitated, quiet, calmly sitting back, grazing again in comfort. Gone are the aggravation. Gone are the frenzy. Gone are the irritability. Gone are the restlessness. The sheep is grazing one more time. You've probably experienced this a thousand times in your life. You're going along in your spiritual walk. You're going along with the Lord, and things are going fine. And all of a sudden, a little problem starts cropping up. Tiny little problem. To be sure, it's nothing in comparison to all the blessings that God has given you. But that little problem is going to be aggravating you, and you want to bang your head against the wall. In fact, there was a poster on a, a man's door, a CEO of a corporation, and it reads this way. He said, One day I shall burst my buds of calm and blossom into full hysteria. Now, I want to tell you, when you get into this type of situation, instead of banging your head against the door, instead of being frustrated, instead of being up all night, instead of pacing the floor, ask for the Holy Spirit's oil to come and anoint your head afresh. Ask for the oil of the Holy Spirit to come and take care of that little problem. Now, there are some people who think that the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the inner filling of the Holy Spirit, or whatever you want to call it, is a one incident, one deal, you get through it and you're done. That's not so. To be sure, there's an initial anointing, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit in every New Testament passage, it's in the continuous sense. It is a daily activity. Always being anointed day after day, hour by hour, being anointed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way that's going to help you cope with the daily insects. It's the only thing that's going to help you cope and have peace that passes understanding and have tranquility before God. It has to be an inner filling daily of the Holy Spirit. Do you practice that? Now I know there are all kinds of methods and ways and Try to get around it and move around and talk about it and go to counseling. And I'm all for counseling and all this and all that, the other thing. But I want to tell you there is a biblical solution. But David tells us here what you need when you're aggravated with those problems in life, little, small. Seek the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to pour that oil into your head, into your mind, to saturate it and cleanse it so you'll be free of that trouble. When you're bogged down by false accusation, when you're out of jealousy, somebody attacks you, when you lose that big deal that you've been working on for a long time and of no fault of your own, don't react. Seek the Holy Spirit's anointing. Seek the Holy Spirit's pouring over you. When the Lord of the flies, Satan himself, comes to torment you, He comes to despise you, and He comes to deposit His worms of false guilt and misery on you. Get rid of them. Get Holy Spirit to come upon you and wash you afresh and cleanse you, and you'll be made clean. There's a second reason for which the shepherd pours oil on the head of the sheep, and that is scabs that develop on top of the head of the sheep. And you know, sheep are notorious for rubbing heads together. And as they rub heads together, what happens, the infection in these scabs are transformed from one head to the other. And before you know it, the whole flock is infected. 
And that is why in the Old Testament, when people came and brought offering to the temple, these sacrifices have to be without blemish. Referring specifically that they should not have scabs on the head. Why? Because the scabs are the symbol of contamination of sin. And has to be pure lamb. And the only antidote for the scabs on the head is the mixture of that olive oil and spices and rubbed gently on the head of the sheep. I don't think it's by accident that these scabs develop on the head of the sheep. For the very first stage, hear me right, the very first stage of spiritual disease are formed in the mind. Our minds receive these ideas. Our minds receive concepts. Our minds receive attitudes. And they filter them through the mind and you decide whether you're going to act on them or not. I'll give you an example. Take a young Christian man in a high school. And there his teacher gets up and he makes a mockery of the moral laws of God. A seed is planted. Then he walks outside of the classroom. He's with his mates. He's with his friends. And they're playing together. And his friends are not believers are making a mockery of the moral laws of God. Then he's going to go home. And he's going to watch his favorite television show. And then he sees his favorite star making fun, making mockery of the moral laws of God. What do you think is going to happen to this young person when the first opportunity comes his way or her way to break the moral laws of God? He's going to try it. Because the pressure, the peer pressure, we live in this world that is full of pressure upon us to conform and to do things that are contrary to the will of God. C.S. Lewis, years ago, has warned us of this when he said that the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts, the quiet ones, using the right language, but have a totally different meaning, by deceiving the flock. You see, tolerance and inclusiveness are the buzzwords while millions of babies are being aborted in their mother's wombs. And still there are millions more who are being led to the eternal slaughterhouse by so-called church leaders. I tell you, we need to weep before God. And I want to tell you something else for you and for me. It doesn't matter how spiritual we are. There are shows that we are not supposed to see, and there are books that we're not supposed to read, and there are companies that we're not supposed to keep. And that is why we need not only daily washing, but hourly washing. Cleansing, anointing of the Holy Spirit, of our heads, our minds, the ideas that the devil infiltrates through our minds every single day. You know, Jesus made that point very clear in John 13, in his dialogue with Peter. And Peter, being the sanctimonious that he was, he said, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. It's okay with these guys, but you can't wash mine. And finally, when the Lord got through to Peter and he said to him, he said, look, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Peter, being the reactionary that he was, I love Peter because of his hope for him, this hope for me. Being the reactionary that he was, he said, Lord, not only just my feet, but my hands, my head too. And the Lord said, no, Peter. In verse 10, the Lord said, He who has bathed does not need except to wash his feet only. So you are all clean except one, referring, of course, to Judas. What the Lord is saying here is for those who are born again, those who are born of the Spirit of God, those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, they are already bathed. 
They've already been washed with the blood of the Lamb. But because we live in this fallen world, we are going to get stained. Our feet are going to get dirtied. Our heads are going to get smudged and solid by what we see, by what we hear, and what we read. Therefore, we need daily washing. He who has been bathed is cleansed. What he only needs is the washing of the feet. Daily washing, daily anointing of the Holy Spirit to cleanse the head from all the scabs of the world. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. After the summer months, when the sheep finish grazing up on the tableland and on their way down, it's cold, and they often get the shivers, and they suffer. So what does the shepherd do? He takes his wine, his personal wine, and he'll open the mouth of the sheep, and he fills the cup of the throat. He shares his wine with them. And what a magnificent picture of our true shepherd, whose cup was of suffering on the cross, so that your cup and mine is the joy of eternal life. His cup was poured out on Calvary so that yours and mine be filled to overflowing. Because my cup is full of His wine, then no matter what happens to my little world, even begins to fall apart, even when I face the storm, I'm going to be all right. Why? Because His very life has been poured into mine. Now my cup runs over with His blessings and His joy. Verse 6, the last verse in this psalm. He said, Surely the mercy and the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. What the psalmist is doing here, he's now concluding in the same way that he began. He began by bragging who my shepherd is, what kind of a shepherd he is. And now he's bragging again. He said, He is the one who fills his followers, he fills his sheep with goodness and with mercy. That's the kind of shepherd he is. Regardless of the circumstances, even when my little world is falling apart around me, he loves me. And he loves me the same yesterday, he loves me today, and he loves me tomorrow. His love is not changeable on the basis of my emotions. No, he loves me, that he fills me every day with his mercy. My serenity has its basis in the unshakable reliance of his ability to do the right thing. And you better believe it. He'll do the right thing for you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David is saying that, one of the buzzwords about bonding, you know. And David is saying that nothing is going to stop my bonding for eternity with this shepherd. He is a magnificent shepherd that I'm bonding with him for eternity. The Apostle Paul, hundreds of years later, he said, what can separate us from the love of God? And he concluded that there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God. Now fall has come with his storms and rain and sleets and drive the sheep back down those same foothills all the way to the home ranch for a quiet, long winter. And that is to the shepherd, David the shepherd, is a truly homecoming. That's true homecoming. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have lived in three continents. Egypt for 19 years, Australia for eight, and in this home, my adopted country, the United States. 
And I know those of you know me, I'm not going to be surprised to know that I am far more happy, far more fulfilled, far more contented. This is my home. I love this nation. This is where my dwelling place is where my friends are. Far more than any other place I've ever lived in. This is my home. And probably like you sometimes, I long to be home with the Lord. Indeed, sometimes I feel the juxtaposition that the Apostle Paul had felt. Of how he wanted to be home with the Lord, for that's much better. But then for the sake of the ministry and the people whom the Lord has given me to minister to, I want to stay in order to fulfill the plan of God in my life. But I want to tell you, believers in Jesus Christ, this is not our home. Heaven is our dwelling place, where our Heavenly Father's house is. That's our home. Do you have the assurance that if you close your eyes and would die today, that you'll be with the Lord in heaven? Do you have that confidence? The day of your funeral, when your friends say goodbye to you, You'll be in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Do you have that assurance? Do you know, but you know, but you know? When you cross these shores, will you go to be with Jesus? Well, if you don't know, I believe you can today. Because that's God's promise. It's not a pie in the sky. It's not a fairy story. It is God's promise. I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to conclude. One time, Frederick the Great held a great banquet at Cleves Palace. And one of his guests for that dinner was the atheist philosopher Voltaire. After dinner, Voltaire began to make fun of the committed Christians, some of whom were there at the dinner table. Voltaire said these words after dinner. He said, I would sell my seat in heaven for a Prussian dollar. And one of the Christian guests who was a distinguished counselor of the time was shocked at Voltaire's words. And he rose from his seat and he rebuked that blasphemer with these words. He said, Sir, you are in Prussia where we have a law which requires that the one who wishes to sell anything must first prove ownership. Are you prepared to establish the fact that you have a seat in heaven Surprised and rather embarrassed, Voltaire said nothing. What about you? Are you prepared to establish the fact that you have a seat in heaven? You say, well, I hope so. I am just doing my best, and I hope that God is going to let me in. No, that's not what the Bible said. That's heresy. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you have accepted that His death on the cross was for you to pay your penalty, then you already have established that fact. Because that's what Jesus said. If you do, you got it. But if you have not, if you lack that assurance, I believe the Lord would want you to have it today. At this very moment, if you die today, you'll be directly translated into the presence of God. Our loving Father, we are just so grateful to you. We can be grateful to somebody who does us some favor that is passing. And yet... Your favor toward us is not just passing, it's for eternity. Father God, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, anoint the heads and hearts. Assure them of the promises of God and the Word of God, that they are a child of God here, the child of God then, that whether they're in the flesh or 
after the flesh are with you. Father, I pray that you'll protect them from the devil. Satan would love to come back and bring doubt to their lives. I pray that he'll be bound in Jesus' name from these lives and all the lives that are bowing here. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.